Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. During our monthly theme commentary, the word reverence was defined by Director of Christian Education as something that matters. But unfortunately, there are many among us who think that the way we behave, the way we think, the way we dress does not matter. However, care needs to be taken to, before we embrace this mindset into the Christian faith. Now it's true the Apostle Paul said this, whatever may be lawful is not always beneficial. Some things we do, while they have nothing to do, they're not associated with our salvation, does matter. Our text today is going to teach us an important biblical truth about reverency. It focuses on the art of dancing, and before we begin in our text, I want to submit to you there are four important truths we can learn about dance. Number one, it does matter how we dance. Number two, it does matter why we dance. And number three, it does matter who we dance with. And lastly, that leads us in our text, it does matter what we dance for. Y'all keep that thought in mind. I think it would be beneficial if we address some biblical dances that we find in the Bible. And I got five for you this morning. And they are closely related and you can kind of interchange them to a certain degree, all with exception of one. Number one, there's a victory dance. This type of dance was displayed when Jephthah's daughter danced after her father had won a stunning victory. Number two, there's a deliverance dance. This was shown when Miriam danced after the children of Israel Egypt had drowned it in the Red Sea, and you can see this in the book of Exodus, maybe Genesis. But there's also a triumphant dance. Psalm 149.3 tells us that when the children of Israel was restored from exile back to Jerusalem, they danced. There's also a thankful dance, some people may call this undignified, when David danced as he was bringing the ark back from Jerusalem. Now those dances there can all be somewhat interchanged or related, but this last dance is called a seductive dance. 
And that's the dance that we're going to look at today by a young woman named Salome who danced before King Herod Agrippa, excuse me, Antipas. Just think with me for a minute. While the word dance most often referred to rhythmic body motion, usually to music, according to another rendition, there are other ways we can dance. Are y'all with me? The definition of dance can also mean following a set of systematic sequence of inducing steps. I really need to, to read that again. Following a set of systematic sequence of inducing step. That being said, by that definition, we can also dance with our eyes. Oh, y'all know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you can put your eyes in such a motion that it entices and induces people. Ladies, y'all wear eyelashes for a reason. <laughs> but you can also dance with your speech or your words. Some of the things you say, again, can just cause a man to just sway right where he is. You can also dance with your demeanor. Just the very presence. Some of y'all just walk in the room and the whole room stops. You just dancing. And you can also dance with your walk. God has so created you women in order to have babies that your hip flares. But sometimes when you walk, y'all just add a little bit more to it. Now, the Greek word for dancing is interesting. It's okeomea. Now, this word okeomea is a combination of two Greek words, and I think it's important to break down. Okea, okeig means in a row. And omea means in motion. So dancing is being in a row in motion. Here's a bit of history for you. Normally, it was only the men of Israel that danced. I don't think a lot of people know that. Just like normally it was the men that sing. So, so when a woman danced, it was only on a special occasion. And of these few instances where a woman danced, she did so in a group. They were in a procession. They were in a circular motion. But no woman danced individually normally. So that makes the dance described in our text out of the ordinary. It's believed to have been captivating, enticing, and sexual suggested. It was performed by the daughter of Herodias, Named Salome, the Bible does not name her, we get that from history. She was the wife of King Herod Antipas. Now this title Herod is really not a name. It was 
identifying people of Jewish descent. So these people had some knowledge or some background of the word of God of the Jewish people and the people of God. The individual who carried this title, Herod, often referred to as king, but they were no more than puppets for the Roman Empire. Now, Herod Antipas was appointed king of Galilee. And although he was a puppet, Herod had some power. Interesting fellow. If you look at the history of this, they had things going all kind of way that would shock us today. Herod was first married to the king of Arabia's daughter. Now, that was done probably for political reason, to align themselves with somebody else. But then he met a woman named Herodias, who was his half-brother's wife. Now, Herodias had to be something else because Antipas fell in love with her. He divorced his wife, and she divorced Philip, and the two got married, and, and they had this great celebration, and everybody was just enjoying the celebration. But all of a sudden, they could hear this voice in the background, Repent! What you're doing is not according to God's will. Everybody was happy but one individual by the name of John. They called him the baptizer. We call him today John the Baptist. I can imagine John is shouting that this marriage is unlawful. Every time that Herodias and Herod got together and was walking down, they would hear that word. Repent! What you're doing is unlawful. The king could deal with this, but Herodias, his wife, could not. So after convincing her husband, the king, Herod put John the Baptist in jail. But Herodias wasn't satisfied with him being jailed. She wanted him dead. But her husband, the king, Herod, feared John. He believed that he was a holy man. So he protected John from Herodias' murderous intention by simply keeping him in prison. But then something happened. The opportunity came for Herodias to get her way. You'll join me in Mark chapter 6, verse 21. We'll go over the events again. Verse 21 says, Then an opportune day came when Herod was on his birthday, gave a feast for his nobles, the high officers and the chief men of Galilee. So this occasion of Herod's birthday gave Herodias an opportunity. They decided to have, and I kind of believe it was her idea, a big celebration with all the high officials, government, military commander, prominent citizen, they all there. But as a special gift, Herodias had her daughter Salome to dance because she knew how her daughter was going to dance. Verse 23, 
and 22 rather than 23. And when Herod's daughter herself came in and danced, it pleased Herod and those who sat with them. The king said to the girl, ask me whatever you want and I'll give it to you. He also swore to her, wherever you ask, I will give you up to the half of my kingdom. Wow. Simply because of a dance? Like her mama, Salome was pretty. But unlike her mama, she was young. Somewhere between 17 and 21. Her sensual, provocative dance pleased Harris so much that he promised her anything she wanted and sealed it with an oath. Some of the historians write some things that happened as she danced and the way she danced that was so alluring. Some of the things that men did, I won't even mention to you. And there were women also there accompanying them that left the dance floor. Again, women dancing on special occasions were few. But it wasn't uncommon. The dance itself was probably a standard dance for all young girls. So it wasn't the dance of Salome that pleased Anthropus so much that he made this foolish decision. It was how Salome danced. Verse 28. Verse 26. Let's start there. And the king was exceedingly sorry, yet because of the oath and because of those who sat with him, he did not want to refuse her. Let me go to 24. Getting ahead of myself. So when she went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist Notice verse 25, immediately she came in with haste to the king and act, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on their platter. And verse 27 says, immediately the king sent an execution and commanded his head be brought. And he went and beheaded him in prison, brought the head on their platter, gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. Why on a platter? Why on a platter? Well, the banquets of those days were presented by a host who wanted to impress his guests. So all the food they had was on these big old silver platters. And as they opened the platter, then was revealed the food. And usually we have these, oh, great. And it would, it would entice the more the appetite because you saw wherever it, you saw was something to consume, but to make a mockery of the whole thing, Herodias said, I want his head to be among the food. Because that's what satisfies me. But Solomon's request was a dagger in the heart of Herod. But because of his oath, and not wanting to embarrass himself, the oath was irrevocable. Irrevocable. He immediately did what she asked. 
So we can look at this. How Salome danced caused a man to lose his life. Ladies and men, I want you to think about that. How you dance can cause someone to lose their life. And I want you to focus again on what we talked about. What is a dance? Following a set of systematic sequence of inducing steps. I've been told that some mothers teach their young daughters how to get over in this world. And they may not do it with the rhythmic dance, but they do it with their eyes. Do it with their words. So I'm going to ask each of you today, and this includes men, because men can dance, because we all got a dance. How's your dance? Is it sanctified or seductive? Is it holy or whorish? Is it sacred or sluggish? Is it churchy or clubbish? Is it encouraging or embarrassing? If it's seductive, hoary, slutty, clubby, or embarrassing, I want you to think about a song that came to mind as I was doing this, an old song. I was listening to C.J. Johnson's version of it. The song is called be ready when you come. But there's one line that said, don't let him catch you on the ballroom floor. I know it says don't let him catch you when you work on done, but I thought this was interesting for our sermon. Don't let him catch you on the ballroom floor because he's coming again so soon. See, some of y'all just dance to the music. You don't care how you dance. You just dance to the music. I witnessed something Friday night at rehearsal that I believe the Lord led me to share with you in this sermon. Kalea and her group were singing songs. Patrick was playing. And I happened to look over in the sound booth, and I saw Jeff and Nikki Brothers dancing. I noticed that they danced to the music, but I saw something. When the music was fast, they danced far apart with their hands touching. When the music was slow, they got up close and personal. But here's the point. The tempo of the music did not cause them to change partners. I think some of y'all missed that. Because they had a relationship as a husband and a wife, so it didn't matter about the music. 
What matters, they were dancing together. When you have a relationship with your dancing partner, the music won't dictate your dance. You see, it's one thing to dance for Jesus, but it's another thing to dance with Jesus. Because you can do anything when you tell you dancing for Jesus, because I don't see that type of dance. But when you're dancing with Jesus, he takes the lead. But you cannot dance with Jesus without a relationship with Jesus. I'm close. I remember when we used to have a little Friday dances at the YMCA. And even people like me that my wife said I can't dance, I would go anyway. But you just didn't step out on the dance floor. There are women over there. And you would go and say, hey, you want to dance? And a lot of times they say, nah. <laughs> well, Jesus is asking some of y'all, do you want to dance with me? And y'all are looking at him and saying, no. So how's your dance? How is your dance? Jesus is asking you today, come dance with me. And when you dance with him, you don't have to worry about how you dance. Because again, he takes the lead. Let us dance. See, when I noticed with Jeff and Nikki that when they played the slow songs, he went from holding her hand to bringing her hands around him. And he put his hand around her. And he began to rock. And as he rocked, his wife rocked with him. And if you're dancing with Jesus, that's exactly what he wants. That's exactly what we want. Now I'm supposed to call the evangelism team down now. Now I want anyone who have never heard Jesus' invitation to come in a relationship with him. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.